If you have your Bible, please take them out and open them up to Galatians chapter 6. If you have the uh, Barwick Road Church app, you are more than welcome to go ahead and open that up and find the message notes uh, there in the app, uh, which will walk you through uh, this morning as we dig into God's Word. If you haven't already downloaded the app, let me encourage you to to do that. There's a lot of uh, great, useful um, functions in the app, one of which is the message notes. Another uh, great function within the app is our prayer wall. Uh, And if you uh, already have our app installed, you probably got a notification from us about Rashma. And I do want to encourage you uh, to pray for her and um, her family. Uh, Rashma's sister passed away, and she is on her way to Trinidad as we speak. Now, um, that's why I want to encourage you to get the app because you can stay informed as as to uh, pertinent prayer requests as they come through. Uh, You'll get a notification if you're on our prayer ministry, uh, and you can go ahead and commit to praying for people's needs. I believe that's what God calls us to do as a church. Uh, In fact, that's one of the things we're going to talk about this morning. You know, we've been talking about this freedom we have in Christ and how do we live this Christian life, and Paul has been really highlighting the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit within the life of the believer. In fact, I would go to say that without the Holy Spirit, it is impossible to live the Christian life. In other words, we cannot do it without the Holy Spirit's power and without His presence in our life. Uh, He enables us uh, to to live the Christian life. He enables us to fulfill the, 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 the laws of God. He helps us. Uh, He motivates us, he encourages us, he counsels us, he comforts us. Uh, And so it's so important that we understand uh, who the Holy Spirit is and what he's accomplishing in our life. And last Sunday we talked about the importance as believers, what it means to walk in the Spirit. Allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and direct us. Uh, So Paul Paul was talking about that. Uh, And one of the things we need to understand is that for us as as Christians, God created us to live in community with Him. He created us to have fellowship with Him. Uh, But there's more to that. God also created us to live in community with each other, to live in fellowship uh, with one another. God did not create you uh, for you to be isolated and to live your Christian life by yourself. And a lot of people, they, they, that, they, they do that, they, they, or they attempt to do that. They say, hey, I'm a Christian now, and I really don't want to hang out with other Christians, and I really don't want to you know, go to church, and I don't want to do that, I'm just going to you know, keep my faith to myself. I would argue that if you are a true Christian, and the Holy Spirit lives within you, and you're striving to be more like Christ, and the Holy Spirit is developing fruit in your life, you're going to want to fellowship with other believers when you see the importance of community, doing life together as a family of faith, not just coming together. And I think that that's kind of uh, the Americanized way of church is we think of church as this activity 
that we do on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night or sometime we just go to church and maybe we'll sing a few songs and we'll hear hopefully some uh, some great message that you know is moving it's passionate whatever because we don't want to be bored to tears uh, and, and so we tend to think of that's that's what church is it's some activity but we understand that really the church is a family it's a family of faith it's a family of, of believers who come together to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to stir each other's faith, to help one another. It's not just, and, we, we, and I think that a lot of people, they're going to get very tired and bored of church when all their involvement is is just a Sunday morning routine. When they don't assimilate into the body of Christ. And I believe as a church, if you take a church, take church life, all right, kind of draw a circle. I was going to try to do this on, on my presentation. Draw a circle. That's church life. You know, either you're moving towards the center of the church life or you're moving away from it. You're never at a static uh, position where you're, you're just not doing anything. You're either going, you're drawing closer towards Christ and towards each other, or you are moving away from that. And Paul is going to encourage us to go deeper, to draw closer, to come in, not out, and to care and, and show compassion for one another. Genuine love and concern. If you remember back in Chapter 5, Paul says that we were called to be free. And that's good news. That Christ has set us free. He set us free from the rules. He set us free from the regulations. He set us free from religion. You know, I, you know people say, oh, I, I hate religion. I say, me too. I hate religion too. And that's, Christ set us free from the religious institution and the religious mindset and the religious duties, all right? He set us free from that. Now we say, well, that's great, man. That's good news. God, you know, Christ sent us free from all of that. And Paul says, well, here's, here's the thing. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for you to satisfy your, your fleshly desires, all right? Or gratify your desires. He says, don't use your freedom as an opportunity to fulfill your fleshly desires. He says, but use your freedom to serve one another in love. And from this point on, Paul is drawing us closer. He's drawing us closer into the life of Christ. Into what we call the body of, of Christ. The church. Paul talked about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. He said that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then he ends chapter 5 by saying, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, not becoming conceited, provoking and envying each other. In other words, what Paul is saying is here, as, as Christians, we all should be striving. We should all be growing more and more to be like Christ. However, don't use that as an opportunity for you to get up on your high horse and say, well, look how good I am. Look at the fruit I'm producing. I'm producing love, and I'm producing peace, and I'm producing, producing joy, and I'm producing you know, all these fruit, and you're not. Nah, nah, nah. Paul says, no, no, don't use 
use this. Don't, don't, don't use this as an opportunity for you to exalt yourself. Don't provoke each other. Don't be conceited. Don't envy each other. In other words, Paul says, you know, when we look at other people, say, man, I, I wish I could be more like so-and-so. Well, so-and-so is so gracious. So-and-so just oozes, oozes joy. They just ooze peace. I mean, despite what's going on in their life, man, just everything's going, just, just coming apart at the seams, and they're just, they just have it all together. I wish I was more like so-and-so. Paul's saying, don't. Don't be conceited. Don't provoke each other. And don't, don't, don't be envious. Then we come to chapter 6. Paul's going to show us what love for one another looks like. He says in verse 1, he says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. A couple things that I want us to get really quick this morning, right? Is number one, if, if we're going to show genuine love, genuine concern for each other, we need to help free those who are trapped, all right? We need to help free those who are trapped. If someone is trapped, all right, we should help free those people. Now, let me pause right here. Verse 1, Paul says, uh, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, now, Paul doesn't tell us what the sin is. He doesn't get specific. He doesn't say if, if someone is caught in the sin of adultery or if someone is caught in the sin of uh, you know, drug abuse, if someone's caught in the sin of uh, um, uh, alcoholism, he, he doesn't get specific with the sin. That's irrelevant. It doesn't matter, right? He doesn't say how big the sin is. He doesn't say if, if, if it's this sin or that sin. He doesn't list the sin. He doesn't say how offensive the sin is, right? There's no category of this sin. It's very general and broad in its nature. He says if someone is caught in a sin, someone's caught in a trespass, your Bible might say, or a wrong. And that's what Paul says. If somebody is caught in a sin, a wrong or a trespass, uh, to be caught means to be trapped or overtaken, uh, if a person is trapped, they can't get free. I was watching on YouTube the other day this video of this deer that happened to get entangled with uh, this wired fence. This wire was uh, barbed wire. And so here is this deer, and he's wrapped up all in this wire, and he couldn't move. And it looked like he had been struggling for quite some time to get free from this wire. But the more he struggled, the tighter the wire became. And he, could, he, was, he was hopeless. Um, he was helpless. 
had it not been for a farmer who happened to just notice this deer, and the farmer had to be very, very careful of how he came and he set free this trapped animal. Right? He couldn't just come there and just jump on the deer and, 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 and set him free. He couldn't be a hero like that. He had to be very gentle in setting this deer free. Now, had it not been for the farmer, the deer would have been, well, it would have died, to be quite honest. When Paul says, brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in a sin, I believe this is what Paul is talking about. He's saying they're trapped. They're trying to get out of it. They're, they're, they're struggling to get out of it, but the more they, they try to get out of it, they, they just get entangled more, and, 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 and they're, they just feel hopeless and helpless. And this is what Paul, this is, I believe, the picture Paul's trying to give us in this passage of Scripture. Notice what he continues to say. He says, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Now, when Paul says that if someone is caught in a sin, notice what he doesn't say, all right? He doesn't say, listen, if someone is caught in a sin, if somebody is trapped in a sin, right? He, says, he doesn't say, go and ridicule them. He doesn't say, go make, it, go make fun of them. Now, there are some Christians who live to ridicule other Christians who are trapped, other believers who have fallen, they, they love to make fun of them. They love to just kind of parade that fact that they've fallen, that they have got tripped up, that they're trapped. They love to do that, and I believe there's a reason why. Because when a person does that, when a person ridicules someone, makes fun of someone, mocks someone for, for being trapped, for falling, it makes the other person feel better about themselves. It causes an inward comparison. Well, if it was me, I wouldn't have done that. I can't believe they did that. They should have known better. I know better. You know, the reality is, when a family member, when I say a family member, I'm talking about a family of faith member, is trapped or falls, we shouldn't make fun of that person. Our hearts should break for those individuals. It really should. You know, in a couple or years past, a couple years ago, a couple of pastors who I really looked up to fell. One of which, Bob Coy, Calvary Chapel, admire him. Man, here is a guy who's an excellent communicator. I mean, here's someone, you, you know, he would preach over an hour and nobody complained. I mean, he's just powerful communicator. But you know what? He fell. And I remember when he fell, you know, people were starting to make fun of him and mock him and ridicule him. And I thought, man, how sad. And these were Christians that were doing it. These were people who, who say they know Jesus and they were making fun of somebody who fell. I thought, man, how sad. And our hearts should break for those people. We should be praying for them. Just recently, another pastor that I looked up to, James McDonald, if you're familiar with Walk in the Word, great radio broadcast, uh, he fell. And again, I remember when the news hit, boy, everybody was making fun of him. Everybody was ridiculing him. Remember Jim Baker, another person? We can go on and on and on. You know, when these people who fall, do not ridicule them. Do not make fun of them. That is not what Paul is saying here. He says if someone is caught in a sin, don't ridicule them. 
See, when a mem- one member falls, it should hurt the whole body. If one member suffers, we all suffer. And that should be the proper response when someone has fallen, when someone is trapped, when someone is caught in a sin. Not to, not to ridicule them. Paul doesn't say that we should report them either. Again, that's another thing we do. We, we, if we're not ridiculing them, we're reporting them, right? We are going to so-and-so, and we're using their, their, their trap as an opportunity to fuel our fire of gossip, right? We're like, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Did you hear what they did? Paul says, no, 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 no. You, you don't make fun of them, right? You don't ridicule them, and you don't report them. In fact, the only reporting you should do is to God, and that's praying for them. Not only does Paul not say to ridicule them, not only does he not say to report them, he doesn't say we should reject them either. And again, this is another way that many Christians respond to someone who has fallen into sin or who is caught in sin, who is entangled by sin, who is struggling with sin. We reject them. Someone has once said that the Christian church is the only army in the world that shoots its wounded. And that's true. How many of you are familiar that when a horse breaks its leg, they have to put that horse down? They have to shoot that horse. And likewise, we treat a lot of Christians who have fallen, <laughs> maybe they've wounded themselves, and we want to shoot them. Paul says, no, no, Paul, Paul, there's, there's no mention where Paul says, look, we, we need to reject that person, where we need to shoot our wounded. No, Paul doesn't say that. Neither does he say, hey, you know, we need to report them or reject them. What, what does Paul say? Paul says we're to restore that person. So let's talk a little bit about the ministry of restoration. The word restore is a medical term which means to set a broken bone back into place or to uh, uh, put back a dislocated joint, all right? Uh, I remember when I was in karate, uh, I took a kick to my finger and I dislocated my finger and I had to have it restored. I had to have a doctor uh, put my finger back in its joint, all right? Likewise, this is the, when Paul says that we are to restore a, a brother or sister, a family member who is entangled in sin, who's caught in sin, what he's saying is we need to put back into place to mend that believer well the question that we need to ask ourselves is well who Who, who's to do this work of restoration paul says you who live by the spirit or your bible might say you who are spiritual well what does what does that mean again in context the rule of context is that context rules And Paul's been talking about living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to uh, work in our life and develop the fruit of the Spirit in our life. He's saying, look, if that's you, you're walking in the Spirit, you're living in the Spirit, and you are developing the fruit of the Spirit in life, guess what? You have a ministry, and that ministry is the ministry of restoration. Paul says, you who are spiritual, you who are led by the Spirit... Those who live by the Spirit. 
So every spiritual Christian has been given this ministry of reconciliate or restoration. Now, if you think about it, God gave the church the Great Commission. Remember, Jesus told his disciples to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them all the things that I have commanded you. And so the commission is that we're to make disciples, right? We are to mark disciples. We're to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all right? Baptism is a mark. It identifies us as believers, right? We are to mature Christians. We're to teach them all the things that Jesus has taught, right? And we're also to mend Christians. We're to rescue those who are lost. We're to reach the world, but we're also called to restore those who have fallen in sin in the church, the body of Christ. Next question we need to ask is, well, how? How should a spiritual Christian restore a fallen family member? Paul gives us the answer. He says, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. The ministry of restoration should be done in a spirit of gentleness. Not that you're going to go and, 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 and Bible, uh, Bible beat that person and say, you, you should live your life this way, and this is what God's Word says. And, and No, 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 no. Don't, don't. You see, what happens is that can become very judgmental and very legalistic. In fact, Jesus says, before you worry about the speck in your brother's eye, make sure you take care of the log in your own eye. And so when Paul says, look, look, if you're going to help someone, if you're going to help restore someone, if you're going to help put someone back in their proper place, they've fallen, they're, they're trapped by sin, you have to do it with a spirit of gentleness. You cannot go in there with Bibles blazing, right, and all the scripture verses just kind of rattling off of your, your tongue, trying to you know, sit there and think that your, your attitude is going to change that person's behavior. No. Going back to my illustration about the deer that was caught in the wire fence. Again, that farmer knew that he couldn't just jump on that deer and set that deer free. And here's why. It would have done more damage to the deer and it would have done damage to the farmer. And I believe that's why, why Paul is saying this, that, that we, we need to, to do this with a spirit of gentleness. He goes on, he says, but, but watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Truth of the matter is, there may come a time when you need the ministry of restoration. And the last thing you want is some pharisaical Christian condemning you and beating you up with a bunch of Bible verses. It's the last thing you want, and it, 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 we shouldn't even do that. Now, you might be here and you say, well, you know, I, I don't have nothing to worry about. I, I would never, I would never fall. I would never get tripped up. I would never get entangled. 
This person might, but not me because, you know, hey, you know, I, I spend time praying and I spend time reading God's word. I, I go to church every Sunday and I worship. You know, not, not, not me. Well, let me say two things. Number one, the Bible says, take heed lest you fall. And number two, pride comes before the fall. Don't ever think that you are too spiritual, too secure in your relationship with Jesus that you could not be trapped as well. Don't ever think that. Because if it were not the case, Paul would never have given us the warning. He says, listen, watch yourselves. You also may be tempted. Remember, At the Last Supper, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe it was the last words that Peter said to Jesus before Jesus would be led away, arrested and crucified. Remember, Jesus was describing all that would happen to him. Jesus says, listen, all of you, all of you are going to fall away. All of you are going to be trapped. All of you are going to be entangled Peter says <laughs> I don't know about everybody else but not me and what happened to Peter he fell didn't he he fell so don't ever think for a second that you could not be in the same situation watch yourselves I love how the message paraphrases this verse. It says, live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivenly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. I love that. Man, this, that's wisdom right there. Man, if somebody has fallen into sin, man, save your critical comments to yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. So number one, help free someone who is trapped. Second truth that I want us to get this morning is help carry each other's burdens. Help free someone who's trapped, but secondly, help carry each other's burdens. Verse 2, Paul says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, we have to pause there. What is this law of Christ? What, what, this law, fulfilling the law of Christ. How many of you want to fulfill the law of Christ? I do. I don't know about you. Well, the, the, the law of Christ is, is one word. Ready? Love. That's the, that's the law of Christ. And, and Paul says, listen, if you're carrying each other's burdens, you are genuinely showing love for one another. You're fulfilling the law of Christ. In fact, back in Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, Paul says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so we are to help restore a falling fallen family member, right? We're not to make fun of them. I was thinking, I was going to say this, and I was like, I don't know about this, but I, th I think it's because... How many of you are familiar with... Um, Oh, I forget the name of the little device. Um, Life Watch. Life. It's a little box. And it, was, it used to be a commercial um, Life Lock or something like that where if, if you needed medical help, 
you could push this button and, and you would be uh, automatically put in touch with some dispatcher and they would say, hey, you know, how can I help you? And you say, hey, you know, I, I've fallen and I can't get up. Remember the commercial for that? I fall and I can't get up. And, and, and I remember when that commercial, everybody made fun of that commercial. And it's sad because, you know, it's a great commercial and it's really, you know, providing the need. You know, somebody's fallen and you know what they need? They need help to get back up. They don't need you being critical of them falling. They don't need you making fun of them uh, that they've fallen. And likewise, you know, if we genuinely love for, e- love for each other, we're going to want to come alongside of them and we're going to want to help them get up. Likewise, if we genuinely love each other, we're going to want to help carry each other's burdens. So Paul gives us three cautions. Caution number one, don't think you're too important to help. Don't think you're too important to help. In fact, Paul goes on to say, if anyone thinks they are something when they're not, they deceive themselves. I love the Uh, The NLT version, uh, New Literal Translation, it says, if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourselves. You're not that important. (laughs) Well, that really hurts the ego right there. But it's truth. If you think you're too important that you can't help someone, guess what? You're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. And so don't, don't, take the, don't, don't make the excuse, well, I'm too important. I can't, I can't help somebody uh, carry their burdens. I, 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 I'm too important, or I'm too busy, or I'm, I'm, I'm not qualified. Whatever the case is, don't ever make excuses as to why you cannot help carry each other's burdens. Caution number two, examine. Examine your own actions. Paul says in verse four, he says, each one should test their own actions then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. I love this, the freedom that we have in Christ, all right? Let me just kind of back up really quick. All right, first freedom that we have is we've been set free from, uh, from sin. We've been set free from the penalty of sin. We've been set free from uh, the, the, um, the chains of sin, We've been set free from condemnation. Remember Paul says in Romans chapter 8, for there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Right? So we, 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 we're free from the condemnation of sin. But guess what? We are also free from the comparison of others. In other words, we do not have to live our life comparing ourselves to others. And I think so often we fall into this trap, the trap of comparison. Don't compare yourself to others. Examine your own actions. You see, when you're comparing yourself, you're, you're, you're weighing yourself against someone else. You're judging yourself against someone else. And, and, and it could, you, know, you could say, well, you know what? I, I, I have these good qualities and they lack these good qualities. Or you could say, well, you know, uh, I have these bad qualities and they have these good qualities. And you're, you're comparing yourself to the wrong subject. Don't compare yourself to others. Instead, test your own actions. Caution number three is carry your own load. Verse five, for each one should carry their own load. Now, I want to pause right here because someone's going to say, wait a second. Verse two said carry each other's burdens. And verse five says carry your own load. Well, isn't that kind of a contradiction? Isn't burdens and loads kind of the same 
the same meaning? No. Paul's got two different meanings in mind. There's two different words in the Greek that Paul uh, uses here. Uh, two different meanings. Uh, verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens. Uh, this, this is something that you, you, we share with one another, right? Uh, we've been weighed down. This is, not, this is totally different than, than verse 5 uh, because when Paul says, you know, carry each other's load, uh, the load that Paul is talking about uh, refers to a soldier's backpack. In other words, how many of you were in the military? Raise your hand if you're in the military. No one's in the military? Okay, I've got a few people in the military. All right, so you understand that you're responsible to carry your own gear. That's your responsibility. Nobody else is going to carry your gear. No one else is going to carry your backpack. No one else is going to carry your duffel bag. Nobody else is going to carry your gun. Nobody else is going to carry your stuff, your belongings. You are responsible to carry your own load. That's powerful. It's different than verse 2 because there are some burdens that we are to share. All right? Don't confuse that with verse 5 because there are, there are loads that we are responsible to carry for ourselves. These loads are our responsibility. We've got to shoulder them ourselves. For example, you alone are responsible for your salvation. And what I mean by that is you're responsible for you to, to come to a place in your spiritual life where you accept, you know what, I'm a sinner. There's no way I can, you know, I, 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 I've missed God's mark of perfection. I need a Savior. Uh, and and you're, you're responsible for accepting Jesus for yourself. Nobody else is going to do that for you. Your mom isn't going to do that for you. Your children aren't going to do that for you. Your cousin isn't going to do that for you. Your great, 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 great grandma isn't going to do that for you. You are responsible for yourself to receive Jesus. That's your responsibility. Another example is a responsibility of making a living. That's your responsibility. It's, it's not your responsibility to provide for my family. It's not my responsibility to provide for your family. That is your responsibility, your load. You have to shoulder it yourself. You have to take action for yourself. That is your responsibility. Paul says, carry your own load. Be responsible. Assume responsibility. Don't expect somebody else to do it for you. You be responsible. I hate to give these um, idioms, but, but let me. Row your own seat. If you're familiar with rowing, rowing a boat, uh, if you're in competition, team, team rowing, there's a term that says row your seat. Row your own seat. In other words, don't, don't be worried about the responsibility of the person in front of you or the responsibility of the person behind you. You be responsible for your job. You be responsible for your task. Carry your own load. It's different than sharing each other's burdens. Now, we're called to do that. Someone is struggling or someone is just you know, over, overwhelmed with something. We're to come alongside that person. You know what that requires? It requires us being relational. It requires us being intentional, relational. We're to come alongside of that person. We're to help them. We're to help them stand on their own feet. We're to help lighten their, 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 their burdens. Go through life together. This is relational. It's community, right? 
I believe that God wants us to be a church where fallen sinners can be reconciled to God and fallen saints can be restored back into ministry, back into fellowship. See, every empty spot, I want you to take a look. Every single empty spot, every empty pew is an indication that there's somebody out there who needs to be reconciled to God as well as members who are MIA. You know, we have some members the FBI can't even find. I mean, they're off the grid. And so every empty spot, it, 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 we shouldn't applaud ourselves. We shouldn't say, whoa, you know, we're doing good. You know, we had, we had 50 people in church today. We look at the empty spots, we can say, you know what? There's still more people that we need to reach. But also never fail to assume the, the, the responsibility that there are fallen church members, there are fallen members of our family who need to be restored who need to be brought back into the life of the church. Going back to Peter. Remember Peter? Peter said, you know, Lord, you can count on me. You know, I'll never, I'll never deny you, Lord. And, Peter, and, and, and Jesus said, oh, yes, you will. In fact, before the rooster crows twice, you'll deny me three times. If you know the story, Peter does. Peter denies Jesus, Right? And we know the whole story after that, you know, Peter's just kind of, he's not, he's not feeling his old uh, self anymore. And uh, if you remember the story uh, where Jesus, uh, before his ascension, he, he meets with his disciples. He's on the, he's on the shore there, and the, the disciples had gone back to fishing, right? And, and Peter recognizes the, Jesus, uh, recognizes the Lord, and he, he makes his way back to the shore. And uh, there at the shore, remember, Jesus, Jesus has this dialogue with Peter, and if you remember the story, uh, P Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And I'm not going to get into the whole Greek with the word love. Uh, every time uh, Jesus says, uh, Peter, do you love me? You agape me. Do you love me unconditionally? Peter would always respond, uh, Lord, you know I love you like a brother. And then Jesus would say, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. This, Jesus is our model. He's our example. You'll never find where Jesus has this dialogue with Peter and say, Peter, you're a waste. Peter, I, out, of, out of all the disciples, out of the 12, you know, I expected Judas to sell me out. I didn't expect you, Peter. You know, Peter, I thought you, were, I thought you were committed. I thought you were on track. I thought you had my back, Peter. I didn't ever expect this. Peter, you let me down. You never find Jesus saying that. But what we find is Jesus restoring Peter back into the fellowship, back into ministry. And Jesus is doing it gently. He's our model. He's our example. And so every spot in every pew represents some member of this church who has fallen and we should be about mending. We should be about restoration. Let me close with this. Back in 2003, 
A guy by the name of Aaron Ralston was out hiking. He was hiking in the Utah canyons. He's hiked many times before. He's hiked for many years. He's what you'd call an experienced hiker. So he set out on this hike, and he's hiking, and, and, he, and he got into this, this um, crevice of this canyon, and, and he was trying to make his way down, and, and there was this boulder that dislodged itself, and it pinned his arm up against the, the side of the, 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 uh, the, the canyon there. And he's thinking to himself, well, surely someone's going to come around. Someone's going to help me. Someone's bound to find me. You know, someone's going to come out looking for me. Someone's going to come out searching for me. He's thinking this to himself. And you know what? Uh, minutes turn to hours. Hours turn to days. Now he is starving. He is dehydrated. And, you know, things are not getting better. Things are getting worse. And, and, and he has to make this decision. He has to get free. And, and, and you know what? He decides. He's looking for. He's only got one free arm. He's got a backpack. And he's reaching. And he finds a dull pocket knife. And he does what I think is really the unthinkable. But I guess given in that situation, you'll do whatever you have to do because now it's, 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 it's do or die. Your body is now in survival mode. He takes this dull pocket knife and he begins to amputate his arm. Now think about that. This dull pocket knife cutting through flesh, cutting through skin, cutting through tenants, cutting through bone. No anesthesia, no, nothing like that. He's just, he's just cutting his arm off. To free himself. And he does. A couple days later, he's given an interview. And he makes this profound statement. He says, if I didn't go hiking alone, I would have my arm today. And let me encourage us this morning, because many of you are hiking alone. You're trying to do life by yourself. You're trying to live the Christian life by yourself. And right now, you, you, you could be, your, your back's up against a, a rock. Your arm is pinned, and you're wondering, is anybody going to help? Anybody? Nobody knows you're out there because you're hiking alone. You're by yourself. And the truth is, God did not create you to do life by yourself. And let me encourage you. We're a family that love each other. And our, our, our desire should be to help come alongside. And if somebody is pinned up against a rock, help set them free. Someone has fallen, help pick them up. You don't need to kick dirt in their face. You don't need to body slam them. You don't need to make fun of them. Help get them on their feet. That's the Christian thing to do. That's love in action. If someone is overwhelmed and burdened, come alongside and help them out. Don't sit there and twiddle your thumbs and say, man, I, I'm praying for you. When the reality is, is you could be the answer to their prayer. For you to come alongside and help that person go through life together. Don't think too highly of yourself. 
take responsibility. You carry your own backpack. You carry your own load. Every, every head bowed and every eye closed. This morning, I just want to take this opportunity to encourage you and challenge you. God did not create you to live in isolation. And if your church involvement is only Sunday morning or only once in a while, let me encourage you to go deeper. Because the deeper you go in the life of the church, the more fulfilled your walk with the Lord will be. The mutual care you will receive. The love you will experience. You see, to be quite honest, you get out of it what you put into it. The other day I went back to the gym. It's been probably several months since I've been to the gym. Obviously, you can tell. Not to be up, I have to be honest, I was upset. You know, I walked in there and not one single person said, where you been, Mike? Not one person, not one single person missed me. I was working out next to some people and, 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 and they saw me struggling. I had a hard time lifting that 10-pound dumbbell. They, they didn't help me. Truth of the matter is, a lot of people treat church like a health club. I just want to get in there and get my 30-minute workout or my one-hour workout, you know, do some cardio, and then I want to get out. And then, then you come, you know, you, you come, you know, periodically, right? Normally, you know, first of the year because we all make that New Year's resolution. We want to get healthier. Or, you know, when you're, you know, kind of getting ready for Thanksgiving and Christmas and you're like, you know, I can't afford to gain some more weight, so I've got to lose some weight first. And so you, you, you go to the gym, kind of like that, we, we go to the church, and, and, and then we want to know, well, you know, no, nobody, nobody said we, we missed you. Nobody said, you know, where you been? Truth of the matter is, is you, you come so periodically, nobody knows you. And the deeper you get into the family of faith, the deeper you get into the church, guess what? If you miss a Sunday, people notice He's not here, but I'll use him as an example. He's, he's, he's working the doors right now, and that's, that's David Arterbridge. Here's somebody, man, he is here every single, every single time the doors are open. You know what, if he's not here on a Sunday, I notice. Because he's, it's not like him. And let me encourage you. Come inward. Don't go outward. Move inward. That's, that's the encouragement. That's the challenge. Look for ways to be involved in the life of this church.
Don't treat it as just a Sunday morning activity that you do. Maybe God's calling you to, to start a ministry. Maybe you're here, and guess what? Man, you have the, you know, you're, you're going through a difficult time. Maybe you're going through cancer. Maybe you're, you, you got a divorce. Maybe, maybe there's just something going on in your life right now. And, and you know what? You need the support of others. And so maybe God's calling you to start a ministry where, where you can have this support group, where you can come alongside of each other and, and help each other as you're going through this difficulty in life. Listen, don't wait for somebody else to start the ministry. You start it. You take responsibility. I think of all the needs that we have in the church, and I always say, man, if somebody just stepped up to the plate and started some, 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 some group, some, some, some connection group, man, I thought, man, this church would, would blow out the, the walls. Because once you start building community, once you start connecting, once you start getting involved in the lives of others, there's accountability, there's care, there's concern, there's, there's genuine uh, needs that are being met. It's more than just coming on Sunday morning. So let me encourage you. Let me challenge you this morning. As our praise team leads us, just allow God to speak to your heart this morning. And maybe your decision this morning is just recommit. I'm not saying your, your relationship with the Lord is off, but maybe you need to reconnect, recommit to us as a family. You've been MIA. And we want to welcome you back. We're not going to kick you in the ground. You know what? We love you, and we'll welcome you back. We're glad that you're here. Father, I pray, Lord, I pray that you would just in, impact our hearts. Lord, that we would be doers of your word right now. Lord, that those who are spiritual, Lord, that we would restore a family member who's entangled in sin, who's caught in sin. But Lord, help us to do it with a spirit of gentleness. Lord, help us to carry each other's burdens. Lord, may we never think that we're too good or too important or too busy. But Lord, give us eyes of compassion. Lord, that we want each and every person to grow, to be more like you. That when one, members, when one member suffers, the whole body suffers. And I pray, Lord, I pray that you would help us. Lord, may we also be cautious not to think that we're too important. Help us to assume responsibility. And Father, may you be glorified in this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as our praise team leads us. In